Today we begin a new series called The Spiritual Life. We will begin to get a greater understanding of the new life that Jesus Christ has given us. And this pot uh, was a children's church project from about a month ago or more. And it's been sitting in my windowsill uh, in, in my office, okay? I think I watered it about twice, maybe, okay? So it has not grown. It's just dirt. There is a seed in here, but I have not met the conditions to which life could spring forth from this pot. Each of you are a pot, and if you've been born again, there is a seed on the inside of you, a spiritual seed which would bring forth the life of Jesus Christ, and it would be made evident to all of those around you if his life was in you. If his life was in you, you would be led by his spirit. You would be full of love and compassion and patience and loving kindness and peace and joy. If the seed that was inside of you had sprouted, you would have the spiritual life and you would be led by God. But many times we are just like this pot. I heard Elder Melissa say that we were made from the dust of this world. And so there's dust in this pot. But aren't we glad that Jesus Christ has the ability to plant something inside of dirt and it grow? So the thing that he has planted inside of this dirt that we call flesh is himself, the new spiritual life. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. However, there are some things that we must do to bring forth the spiritual life. The things that we must do is make sure that we are not dry. Coming to church does not mean that you have the spiritual life. It's just like me putting this pot in the window where the sun would shine on it, but yet I'm not meeting all the conditions for the life to come forth. It also needed water. So not only does it need water, but it needs light, it needs oxygen, it needs nutrients. So there's even nutrients in the dirt. What I'm trying to say is this, just because you're saved, just because you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord, doesn't mean that you're living a fruitful and a spiritual life. You must meet the conditions that cause that spiritual life to grow within you. And some of those things that cause life to grow within you are the things that we hate to do the most because we are lazy and because we are carnal. The reason this didn't grow because I was lazy I didn't water it at all. I put it in the position of the sun. I put it in the light, but I did not water it. So what do we fail to do to bring forth the seed of life that Jesus has put inside of us? The Bible says that we ought to pray always. Do we pray as much as we need to? Many of us do not. The Bible says that we need to study to show ourselves approved, that we need to be reading the word of God. Do we all read the Word of God as much as we need to be reading the Word of God? We don't. So while we have this seed inside of us, we are not meeting the conditions so that that spiritual life might grow and that we might be fruitful for God. You see, one of the reasons that this pot needs to be watered because the seed inside is hard. And what that water does is it breaks down that outer shell so that that seed can bring forth life. 
a second thing that must happen to the seed that is inside this pot is that it must be buried and die. Unless a seed dies, it cannot bring forth the life that was in it. And our problem is we're not quite dead enough sometimes. We desire the things that are carnal and worldly more than we desire the spiritual things. And this causes our seed or the seed of God inside us to remain hard and callous towards the things of God. Our desire to, our, our lack of desire to pray, our lack of desire to read the word is because that seed within us has hardened again because we have not watered it with prayer watered it with fasting, watered it with reading the word, watered it with meditating upon the Lord. And even, even if you sit here right now and these words mean nothing to you, that just is a testimony to the hardness of your heart. To not even care about spiritual things, to just be satisfied to sit in a building and go through religious activity and religious motions. You see, I put this in the, in, the, in, the, in the windowsill. It was just emotion. Emotion of doing the right thing that would cause this thing to grow. But what God is looking for in this earth is for each of you to be just like Jesus Christ. And the more spiritual we are, the more like Christ we are. But we must do spiritual things in order to be spiritual. And the most spiritual thing that you can do each and every day is to be led by the Spirit of God. You see, we want Jesus Christ to be our Savior so that we, we would not have to go to hell. But do you want him to be your Lord? When he's your Lord, that means that he is in control and you follow after him. The word of God says, if you desire to be my disciples, you must pick up your cross and deny yourselves daily and follow after me. How does Jesus even know that you love him? If you love me, then obey my commandments. Church, we've got to be more spiritual than sinful. To be sinful is to follow after your own desires. But to be spiritual is to be led by the Holy Spirit. To be spiritual is to fulfill the commandments of God. All right? So that was the introduction. Now let's get into the Word. What is the spiritual life? So this is the name of the series. And when you walk away from this series, I pray that you would be more spiritual, which means to be less carnal, which means to be less sinful. So let me first give you some definitions. When you see the word carnal in the Bible, it just is talking about our original sinful nature. When you see the word flesh in the Bible, be not led by your flesh. It's talking about your original sinful nature. So to be carnal or to be fleshly or to be worldly, all is the same thing. It just means unspiritual. It just means to be led by your old sinful nature that you were born with. Today's message is the spiritual life from sinners to saints. So what is the spiritual life? Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. 
Listen, the more time you spend reading your Bible, the more spiritual you become. If you stay away from your Bible, if Fox News and Facebook and Instagram is where you spend most of your time, not just Fox, CNN, don't throw me, don't throw a rock at me. I try to offend everybody, all right, not just one crowd or the other, all right. But if you spend your time doing carnal, mostly carnal things, you'll be mostly carnal. But if you spend your time doing spiritual things, you'll be spiritual. And it all happens in the mind. Your mind controls your life. So if you are spiritually minded, you will have a spiritual life. But if you are carnally, fleshfully, sinfully minded, you will live a sinful life. It's all in your mind. Say this with me. Lord, renew my mind after you. It's all about the mind. So listen, begin to evaluate your actions this week and say, you know what? I have spent more time away from God than with God. Therefore, I have been more carnal. I have been more sinful than I have been spiritual. And I know this isn't a popular uh, message. This isn't a message that's going to cause you maybe to say glory, hallelujah, and make you happy. But listen, I'm not here to make you happy. I am here to preach the truth to you so that you can stand before God one day and see his face in peace. I am here to give you messages this morning, not to make you feel like, uh, uh, oh, oh, God bless you. Oh, oh, the Lord knows that, you know, we sin sometimes. I'm not here to sugarcoat sin. Sin is deadly. And the wages of sin is death, which is eternal separation from God. I am here so that the few that will be saved will be saved. This isn't a message that the masses will receive because they rejected Jesus Christ. And if they rejected Jesus Christ, they'll reject his word because they are one and the same. So we are learning this morning, what is the spiritual life? Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. So what is the spiritual life? Jesus, teach me. How can I be more spiritual? Teach me. Show me in your word. We begin in verse 16. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. There's a period there, and we're not supposed to change anything in the Word of God, but if I could make one change, I would put an exclamation point right there. That's what it means to be spiritual, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide your lives, okay? Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Ha, ah, let's ask a quick question by a show of hands. Let's see who's honest in the room. Did anybody sin in the last seven days? Yes, we did. And you know why? Because in that moment or moments, we were not spiritual. We were not led by the Holy Spirit when we acted, and instead we reacted to the situation carnally, fleshfully, lustfully. We were in control. Whenever we are in control, we are sinful. Whenever God is in control, we are spiritual. Listen to me. There is no good thing in you. Absent of God, you're just a sinner. 
I'll say it again. And I'm talking about me too, the guy with the microphone. Absent of God, I am just a sinner. There is nothing I can do to be righteous. Being a pastor does not make me righteous. The only thing that makes me righteous is the blood of Jesus Christ and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life. He is the only thing that saves us. He is the only thing that is good about us. The goodness of God has led us to repentance. So listen, do not trust yourselves. I don't care how long you've been going to church. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how much money you give to the poor. You are sinful, absent from the Spirit of God. We cannot trust ourselves. Again, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. So what was the law of Moses? The law of Moses was the commandments of God that showed men they were sinful, that showed us that we were commandment breakers. That was the only reason for the law was to show us that we were sinful. Let's continue. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger. Ooh, that's a sin. Yep. Whoops. Forgive me, Lord. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit. See, listen, don't let this message bring condemnation to you, but conviction. Conviction, a message of conviction causes repentance to come into your heart. But a message of condemnation would cause you to retreat and say, I can't live a godly life. I can't do this. Well, that was the reason for the law, to show you that we could not do it apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from Jesus Christ within us. Man, this is good news. If you're not eating this up, I am. It is delicious. All right? Let's continue. But the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit. But the Holy, and this is what it means to be spiritual. You can't be spiritual without the Holy Spirit because you're carnal. You're just flesh and blood. So there is no spiritual life without the Holy Spirit, okay? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of, hallelujah, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. What does that mean? You can do those things as much as you want. There is no restriction to it. But notice this. 
it says that the Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So you know what that means? You can't. None of those things are in you absent the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is what allows us to be spiritual and what allows us to be like Jesus, okay? Verse 24, those, and this, this is what we do with our sinful nature, okay? Something must be done with it, all right? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So to be saved and to be spiritual is not just to say a prayer, Lord, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart. To be saved and to be spiritual is to have nailed the passions and desires of your sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, see, you can't even live by the Spirit unless you've crucified the flesh, unless you've said, I am done with the sinful nature. So the reason for many of our lukewarmness is you let your flesh play all week long and then come in here on Sunday morning and pretend to be spiritual. When all week long we haven't picked up the Bible, all week long we haven't worshiped God, all week long we haven't prayed, but now all of a sudden we think walking into a building makes us spiritual. That's not true. Listen, God knows all that we do, and he knows those who belong to him. Listen, the sons and daughters of God are not those who go to church. The Bible says that the sons of God are those of us who are led by his spirit. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. So listen, if you, I don't know why I say so listen so much, maybe because you need to listen. All right. If you have not crucified the flesh, guess what? It's in control. If you have not said, you know what, I'm done with this sinful nature, I am done being in charge, then you are lukewarm and you are none of his. I am the most sinful when I am not led by God. So anytime I am in control, I am sinful. Anytime I am in control, I am, I am Instagramming it, Facebooking it, sports centering it. I'm not saying those things are sin. I'm just saying they can be. Listen, listen up. This is good teaching because it ain't me. All those things are not a sin, but they can be sinful. Why? Because in order to be spiritual, I must be led by the Holy Spirit. And if I'm honest with you, the Holy Spirit has never said, hey, man, you haven't been on Facebook today. What's wrong with you? Hey, man, you haven't been on Sports Center today. What's going on with you? Not that we can't enjoy those things. I'm not saying that those actions in and of themselves are not, are, are sins. What I am saying is this. If you are to be spiritual, you must be led by the Holy Spirit. And where is the Holy, not, okay, first of all, what is the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit is conforming us, changing us into the image of Christ. 
The Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us into all truth. The Holy Spirit, hallelujah, his job is to seal us to the day of redemption that we might present, be presented faultless and blameless before God. So it would, it would benefit us more to be led by him than to be led by our own carnal and sinful desires. Can I, can I buy an amen? All right. Thank you. Let's continue. We're learning something today. All right. So, those who, have, who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. So, since we are living by the Spirit, say this with me, since I am living by the Spirit, I will follow the Spirit's leading in every part of my life. Every part. So, so Brooke has a better husband when I'm being led by the Spirit of God. Because, man, I got to repent a lot, man. Can I just keep it real with you? I got to repent a lot in my marriage. I, gotta repent, I have to repent a lot when it comes to my children because sometimes I get angry. And that's, that's me. So Damien is the sinful one. Christ is not. Christ in me is righteous and holy and pure, but Damien, that joker, needs some help. So that's why Jesus came just to save us, because we need some help. And the help that we need only begins when we are done with ourselves and we say, Lord, take me as I am. Lord, I pick up the cross to deny myself so that I may follow you, because you can't live for self and for God. You cannot serve two masters. You got to pick one, okay? Let's keep going. So what is sin? Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Our desire is to go from sinners to saints, to be more spiritual than sinful. So we got to start from the basics. What is a sin? 1 John 3, 4 through 6 says this, Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone? Say anyone. So that's pastors, police officers, worship leaders, missionaries, you, me, boys, girls, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. But wait a minute. I thought the Bible says that if any of us say that we are without sin, we are liars. But this part of the Bible says that Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sin does not know him or understand he is, who he is. So let's break this down. Church, there is a difference between sinning and repenting and sinning and living a lifestyle of sin. To continue watching porn, to continue getting drunk, to continue lying, to continue stealing after you know the truth, 
after you have received Jesus Christ in your life and to continue living a lifestyle of sin means that you don't know him. Now, do we ever sin? Yes. But the difference is we don't live a lifestyle of sin. A sinner only sins. A sinner lives a lifestyle of sin. A sinner is not repentant, does not turn away from sin. But a righteous man can fall seven times and rise up again. And the key is rising up again. The key is, yes, I sinned, and yes, I fell short, and yes, I messed up, but I repented. And I said, God, forgive me, for I have sinned against you. And listen, it's not about being trapped in a cycle of sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent, because that is a stronghold. If you keep committing the same sin over and over and over and over again and say, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry, that's a problem. That's a stronghold in your life that needs to be broken. And if you need deliverance in that area, let us know. So if there's a sin that is besetting you continually, you need some extra help, some extra teaching, some extra prayer, and we can do that for you. So James 4, 17, we're learning about what a sin is. Okay, and it says this, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So there are sins of commission and sins of omission. So a commission is this, it is a sin to break God's commandments or laws, or it is an omission of sin to do this. It is a sin to know the right thing to do and then not do it. So let's look at some examples. Let's look at lying for instance. So the commission of a lie, for me to commit the sin of lying is for me to take this shirt, all right, take this shirt to the cash register, all right. The shirt was on the rack for $25, but there's also a clearance rack right next to it that says $5. So I get up to the register and I say, uh, the tag's missing off this shirt, but it's only $5. It was back there uh, on the clearance rack. Is that a lie? That's 100% a lie. I have committed a sin by knowingly and willingly breaking a commandment. That's a sin of commission. The sin of omission is this, all right? So uh, she believes me. She buys the lie. Uh, I give her, I give her uh, $20, so she owes me $15 back. And we're, we're not doing taxes because I'm not that good in my head, all right? So no tax. I give her $20, all right? And she gives me $35 back, all right? I see that she gives me $35 back, and I put it in my pocket and walk out the store, and I say, well, praise the Lord. What a blessing. God really blessed me today. No, you're a liar. That's not a blessing. You're a liar. That money does not belong to you. That person made a mistake. And at the end of the, at the, end of the day, their drawer is going to be short because you were not honest. And it's a sin, so I didn't directly steal from them, but it's a sin because I knew the right thing to do, but did not do it, and that is a sin as well. Man, this is not easy to look at your faces. Oh, no, you look great, but you just, sometimes you, you're aware of your emotions. So, that is what sin is. Not only doing the wrong thing, man, this is good, Holy Spirit's moving fast. Sin is not only to do the wrong thing, 
but to fail to do the right thing. Do we hear that? So when we are led by ourselves, that's where sin lives. Sin lives in Damien, okay? Unless Damien is in Christ. You can only live in two locations. You either live in sin or you live in Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. So how did we become sinners? Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And we're going to try to speed up here. Romans 5 and 12 says this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Ephesians 2 and 3 tells us how we became sinners. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So our original nature, we were born into sin. We don't become sinners until we commit a sin, but we were born into sin because we have a sinful nature. I never pulled Dominic aside and said, hey, little fella, let dad teach you how to lie. Didn't have to do that because he has a sinful nature already. Sin is already inside of him, okay? And unless he becomes born again, he can't rid himself of the sinful nature. So listen, you take it easy on those people out there in the world that we get very frustrated with because all they can do is sin because they have not been born again. They do not have the new nature within them. Remember what I said. You can only live, your soul can live in only one of two places, either in sin or in Christ. Let's continue. So what is the punishment for sin? Romans 6.23 tells us that the, for the wages of sin is death. And we'll pause right there. I know there's more, but we're going to pause right there. What is the punishment for sin? The wages of sin is death. 2 Peter 3 and 9 tells us uh, this. Uh, if the punishment for sin is death, then why don't we die the moment we sin? So I know that some of these things that I'm telling you are very basic, but we've got to build a foundation, okay? The Bible says the punishment for sin is death. So the question then is, why don't we die immediately after we commit a sin? Why don't we die immediately after we've committed our thousandth sin? Why don't we immediately die if the wages of sin is death? Listen to 1 Peter, 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Can you guys say grace? Grace is the reason that he doesn't strike us dead every time we sin. Because he is gracious, he is loving, he is patient, he is kind. But please don't abuse his grace. Please take advantage of it and repent and change. So, what type of death is payment for the wages of sin? So if we don't die immediately after we sin, then what is this death that is the payment for the wages of sin? And that is found in Revelations chapter 21, verse 8. It says this, But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate... 
So this, this is what the death is talking about. It's talking about your fate. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So the wages of sin equal this death to where there will be eternal separation from God. So you don't even understand the beauty of the grace that you're living in right now. You don't even understand what a blessing it is to have oxygen in your lungs right now, even if sin is present. Because you've got the opportunity while you're alive to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I want to live. I don't want to meet the second death. I choose you. So now, oh, I forgot to tell you guys. I, I meant to tell you at the beginning I have some bad news and some good news. Well, that was the bad news. Now we're going to the good news. All right? And the good news is this. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. That death I was talking about, it's not for all of us. It says this. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's praise God for that. So, the wages of our sin, they had to be paid. Because God does not lie. And if he said it, it must come to pass. So every sin that we've committed, the, the, the wage had to be paid. Something or somebody had to die. And Jesus Christ loves you so much that he left his heavenly position and was born into sinful flesh that he may take upon him all the sins of the entire world to satisfy the wrath of his Father so that we might become a new people and have life in Christ for all of eternity. But my question for you this morning is, do you want it? Do you really want eternal life? Because if you wanted eternal life, you'd be living a spiritual life right now. If you wanted eternal life, you would be living life and life more abundantly right now in Jesus Christ. But if you want sin more than you want life, then you will have death. Do not trust your carnal, sinful nature. It only wants to sin. And the payment for that sin is death. And if we reject the gift of God, which is salvation, then we will meet that fate that we don't want. So then, church, how do we become saints? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 18 says this, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. See, our problem is that sometimes we get zombie-ish. We get zombie-ish. What does that mean? A zombie is a, a, a fictional character of people that once were dead walking around on earth. All right, and, and they're, they're thirsty for blood and McDonald's and whatever. I don't know. I made that up, but I think I'm getting hungry. Anyway, the dead, that which was supposed to be dead, comes back to life. 
So there's a lot of Christian zombies out there. They have given their life to Christ, so they say, but then that carnal nature comes back to life, and they begin pursuing sinful things again. Now, we're going to mess up. We're going to fall down, but we got to get back up, and we don't continue to pursue sin. That's the difference between a sinner and a righteous man that has sinned. A sinner continues pursuing sin, can't get enough of it. But a righteous man, listen to me, a righteous man, when he sins, his heart breaks. A righteous man, when he sins, he's disappointed with himself. Because God, I know better than this. God, you have put your spirit in me, and I rejected the leadership of your spirit, and I went after what I wanted. Lord, I am sorry. The nature of a righteous man when they sin is repentance. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I got it wrong. And not only to get it right with God, but to get it right with those they have offended. To say, honey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Or, or son or daughter, I shouldn't have yelled at you like that. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? A righteous man seeks to get it right because they know the price that has been paid to make them righteous. They know the price that has been paid to take away their sins. And the last thing they want to do is walk in sin again. Our desire is to be more spiritual. Let's continue. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. That's the beauty of the spiritual life. That's the beauty of true Christianity is when you have died to the old life. You no longer want to go there. You no longer want to satisfy those sinful desires. Now listen, just because you stop cussing doesn't mean you're spiritual. Just because you stop going to the bar doesn't mean that you're more spiritual. You see, we just start committing new sins and different sins, all right? There's no big sins or little sins. It's just sin. The Bible says that, see, we think murders are just terrible. Who, who could take a life? What a murderer. But the Bible says that if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. The Bible, we think, oh, what, what a terrible thing to, to, for a husband or a wife to cheat on their spouse. But Jesus says, even if you look at someone with lust, you've committed adultery. You see, we think that there's big sins and little sins because we want to judge other people and say their sins are bigger than ours. But God sees all sin as unrighteousness. And he wants to deliver us, not only save us from sin, but to deliver us from the sinful life. So let's continue. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. You see, it's all about knowing Christ personally. It's impossible for somebody to live in your house and you not know them. So if Christ lives in you, then you know him. Remember the, at the end of time when we hear that parable, that story about, you know what? I don't care that you have, uh, I don't care that you have cast out demons and done all these powerful things in my name. I don't know you. So the key to the spiritual life is knowing God. 
the key to the spiritual life is that the old life is dead and gone, and now it is Christ inside, and we are under the leading and ministry of his Holy Spirit. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. So remember when I told you that the wages of sin was death and I stopped there? Well, there's more. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And here we see it and say it again. And all this is a gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ. My last passage, I really got a lot more, but uh, I'm going to spare you for now because um, I just am. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 18, where the question we're answering right now is how do we become saints? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 18, verse 14 says, either way, wait a minute, did I just read that? Yep, I got it twice. I put it in my notes twice. All right, let's stand. Let's stand. I gave you a lot. I got more. And uh, those of you that are still hungry, please read Romans 7 and 8 this week. That's your homework, okay? Read Romans 7 and 8. Because everything that I just gave you was really the foundation for Romans 7 and 8. But time has got away from us. However, the spiritual life extends to more than just while you're inside this building. So I'm asking you to feed your spirit this week and read Romans 7 and 8. And don't just read it once. You know, you should read something until you understand it. You should read something until you get it. And I love, I have a reading partner, okay? I never just want to hop in the Bible and start reading without my reading partner. And my reading partner is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. And before you read the Bible, see, the, read, the Bible's not Newsweek or Sports Illustrated. It's not something you would just pick up and just read and get. The Bible is spiritual. And there's things that we don't understand unless the Holy Spirit brings it to our understanding. So I pray that you pick up your Bibles this week. And you know what? Maybe I'm a little bit old school, and I can't tell you what to do, but I really do think there's a difference between the electronic Bible and the paper Bible. And the reason I say that is the electronic Bible, there's a lot of distractions, man. Text messages come in, alerts pop up, but that, that, that Bible that you can hold with the pages in it, I think, I think we need to give it more, more reverence. I think we need to begin to give more respect to that Bible that we can turn the pages in. So I'm asking you to do that this week. And if you do not have a physical Bible, please see, uh, see Elder Eric back there and Sister Sopo, beautifully dressed in royal purple. All right? Tell them you don't own a Bible, and we will give you one. Okay? But your homework is to read Romans 7 and 8. This was just the introduction for that. So I'll have to do that at another time. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Lord, you have shown us the difference 
between the spiritual life and the life of sin. And you have showed us that the spiritual life is the one that you have given us, and you've even given us the gift of your Holy Spirit to lead us into that new life. And the sinful life is everything absent of the Holy Spirit. The sinful life is when we lean to our own understanding and fail to acknowledge you. The sinful life is when we are in control, when we don't consult you, when we don't listen for you, when we don't, we're not led by you, when we don't seek to understand you, we do what we desire to do. And we are altogether sinful without you. Yes, we have been saved from our sins, but our original nature is still sinful. May we not trust our sinful selves, God. I pray that you would help us to slow this life down so that we can be more spiritual. May we not be quick to speak. May we be slow to speak. May we not be quick to anger. May we be slow to anger. May we always look for the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives because that is what makes us spiritual. When we are spiritual, we attract goodness. When we are spiritual, we are attractive to heaven. We attract your blessings. We attract your, we attract your promises. It is then when we are spiritual that the promises of God become yes and amen. But the sinner does not get to partake of any of the goodness of God. So I pray today, God, that those of us in this room that have been living a lifestyle of sin, a patterned sin, God, that you would bring deliverance to us in the name of Jesus Christ. Break every addiction in this place in the name of Jesus Christ. Because your word says who the Son has set free is free indeed. And we're not free indeed if we've been saved from our sins but still living in sin. To be free indeed means that we have allowed this body of death to be baptized in the death that Jesus went through on the cross. And that life that Jesus walked out of that tomb with, that new life, we're partakers of that new life. I pray for each person hearing this message right now that none of us would be eternally lost. The wages of sin have already been paid for those who have repented. But those who have backslidden and are unrepentant, those who have taken their hands off the plow and walked away from God, are lost. Help us, Jesus. Now may the gift of the Holy Spirit be present in all of our lives. May we not just be a pot that is in the window without water, but Lord, may we be expedient to do those things which are spiritual this week so that spiritual life may grow within. Lord, would you give us a spirit of prayer so that we might obey your command of prayer? Lord, would you give us a spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding 
so that we might seek those things in your word. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.